0: Good morning, church. Come on. Are you ready? Open your copy of God's Word, James chapter 2. James chapter 2. My name is Pastor John Feek. I get the joy of being able to open up God's Word with you. I don't know about you, but and there are, there are weeks, maybe there are months, maybe even years in our life where we need to be reminded of things that we're familiar with, but that God wants to take us deeper into. Do you believe that? Do you believe that just because you've heard something, just because you even give some kind of agreement to that teaching, does it mean that you're living it? Does it mean that your heart is full of that truth? So often we have different topics, subjects, that when we hear brought up, we, we kind of yawn and go, yeah, 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 I know about that, right? I've, I've heard that my whole life for some of us. Uh, we, We know some Bible stories. We've been around church. We speak Christianese very fluently. All right, pat yourself on the back. But I think there's something about going back to the basics, about starting again with a fresh perspective, because we have a tendency to not allow to keep the main thing the main thing. Other things clutter our vision, our lives. We begin to major on the minors. We begin to be nitpicky about things that don't even matter all that much. So as you open to James chapter two, the half brother of Jesus, pastor in in Jerusalem, just burdened for his church, that he he wants to remind them again and again of some truths. And one of the things is this subject of love, and for us to be intentional. Everybody say intentional, and intentional. In our pursuit of loving God, loving others, of going deeper in our understanding of God's love for us and the call to live a lifestyle of love. Love on purpose. If you have an outline, you have your Bible open, we don't just hear the word. What do we do with the word? We we do it. We obey the word. We submit ourselves under the word. I need to come under the lordship of Jesus. He's the boss. He's the king. And every time we hear his word, that we would come under it. We're all serving a king. We're all living for something. We all love something. We all love someone. The question is, have you fallen in love with the God of the Bible? Because the God of the Bible created you and is crazy in love with you. And James wants to remind us of the main thing here. Embrace love as the main thing. Thing. We're just going to do an intro. If you're taking notes here, just write down embrace love as the main thing. We're going to hear from the half-brother of Jesus, James, but I just want to hear from Jesus' words, red letters. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, those are the good ones. The red letters, those are the good ones. We want to feast on that regularly, Jesus' very words. And in Matthew 22, if you want to flip over there, keep a finger in James 2 and flip to Matthew 22. It's a little harder to do on your device if you have an iPad or your phone. But he says this when he is confronted in a debate and, and they're trying to trap Jesus. One of the, uh, the Pharisees is like, oh, we have all kinds of laws. At that point, they didn't have just the Old Testament. They didn't have just the Ten Commandments. They had a total of what was presumed to be about 613 laws, rules, guidelines. And he's like, out of all these, what, what's the greatest teacher? Huh? What, what's at the top? What makes the top of the list? He says this, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That is the great. That is the first commandment. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. In our day, it's what? Love yourself. You just need to love yourself more. Would you just love yourself more? You don't love yourself enough. I think the Bible makes an argument of like, we're doing just fine in that department because I love me till the cows come home I I ain't got a problem loving me I lo- I take care of me and I look out for me he says love the Lord this is the biggest highest ultimate with all your heart with all your heart anybody doing that perfectly perfectly loving the Lord with all your heart how about all of your all of your soul anybody just completely filled up to the brim in your soul perfectly obeying and loving wholehearted I'm not about with all of your mind well here's the good news as we dive into james and we think about love and we think about going deeper in our love for god love for others as simple as that is here's what we forget along the way we could say that the whole bible the whole book is a book about love and it's not so much a book about the love that is displayed to god It's about a God who is utterly rejected, forsaken, disobeyed, and rebelled against. It's about his love for you. He can't stop loving rebels. He just can't stop loving failures. He just keeps going after those that screw up and slip up and take one step forward and 18 steps back. He just can't stop pursuing them. That Jesus. Only Jesus, everybody say only Jesus. Only Jesus loved the Father with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind. He did it perfectly already because he knew that I couldn't do it and that you can't do it. He did it for us. He was that substitute in our place. He was the perfect righteous one living out the commands that we could not live up to and we couldn't nail down and we just couldn't get it right. Anybody with me? Just can't get it right. And we have Jesus. We have Jesus. Everybody say that's good news. That is really, really good news. But he says it doesn't stop there. He quotes Leviticus 19.18 when he says, and the second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Literally, as you already love yourself as you already look out for yourself and take care of yourself as we pursue God vertically God fills us up that we can now pour ourselves out with the love of God for others so let's just take a moment to to embrace that before we dive into the what is James calling us to do and and there's more stuff on my plate and more commands and more ways that I need to obey and submit to his word before we even take our first step of repentance and confession and trying to pursue Him, we're reminded of this truth. He already did it. He already did it. He already lived it. He's enough. He's enough. He is already perfectly loving us so that now we can be free to love others. Let's pray. Father, we need You right now. We need need a fresh perspective from Your Word. There's so much that You want to say to us. God, help us just to to be able to absorb just a little bit of it. Help us to to gain understanding by the power of your Spirit. Would you open our eyes, Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we would see amazing things from your word. God, less of us and more of you. Less of us trying to muster up the love and the care and the concern, the compassion. More of your heart in us. More of your truth pushing out the lies. More confidence, God, today. More confidence in you in all the ways that your love has been put on display for us personally. God, you are for us. You are committed to us, and you will not quit. You will not stop. Jesus, conform us to the likeness of your Son. We don't want to be the same old. We want something new. We want power. We want supernatural love received and given on a daily basis. That, That would be our lives. Spirit, come. Teach us. Convict us. Move. God, move. We pray in the name, the only name, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for that. Yeah, uh, uh. we got the we got the amen prompt. I don't know if that's going to show up throughout the message, but it just might. You know what to do. You know what to do. All right. So as we think about that foundation of these commands and that the law, the prophets, all of the Old Testament is fulfilled in this, that we would. Love, be filled with love, be driven by love. Here's what Jesus' little brother James has to say for us this morning. We're going to be looking at verse 8, and then we're going to finish up through 9 through 11, or excuse me, 9 through 13, and we're going to see what God has to say, all right? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Embrace love as a lifestyle. Embrace it as a lifestyle, right? I don't I don't know what you've been told. Okay, I'm going to assume nothing. But James is making a strong case that religion is lame man's religion uh that we we show up and check the boxes that we walk through go through the motions that that we do what people tell us to do and like why do we do that why when we go to church why do we do that i don't know it's just what you do well grandma said that we do it and great grandma and and this is just what we've done throughout the generations and james is pretty fired up about this that we live in such a way that we know what drives us we know what we are filled with and we're filled with the love of God that we wouldn't just play church and play games that we wouldn't just go through the motions but that we would live a lifestyle turn your neighbor and say it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle let them know this is a way of life and I don't know if you've started this lifestyle but today could be the day where you say I'm done with man-centered man's religion hoping it's enough working hard trying to clean up my life everybody say down with that that's not what James is after that's not what James saw in Jesus, his brother, that's not what Jesus taught. It's always been about a heart change that leads to a lifestyle change. And here's what he says. If you really, verse eight, if you really, ever say really, 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 if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There it is again, right? From Matthew 22 and then quoted from Leviticus. He says what? You are doing what? You're doing well, doing well. Uh, everybody pat yourself on the back right now. It was like, I'm trying to love people, trying to love people. Uh, He says, good job, good job. Bravo, cheerio, mate. It's great, it's great. It's a good job. He says, if you're attempting, if you're pursuing to fulfill this law, which is the summary of the law, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, well done, good. We have not just love your neighbor as yourself, but he, he prefaces it with what? Back up. He says, if you really, truly are fulfilling what? The, what type of law? Hopefully you're not looking up here. Like, I got your Bibles open. We're looking at verse eight. If you really fulfill the royal law, what, why royal law? What, what, what's up with royalty? With royalty, you think of what? The, there's a king, there's a ruler, there's a boss. This law was not just arbitrarily given. There wasn't just a grasping for a few random laws to follow. Uh, here's 12. Here's 12 random laws to follow. He says, this is the summary. It's from the king. It's issued. It's the edict from the king. The king says, this is the main thing. Keep it the main thing. It's the royal law. I know for some of us, we have maybe grown up with Jesus as Savior, as rescuer. And does he save? You better believe he does. Does he rescue? Yes, he does. And He's continuing to re- is he continuing to rescue you from you? Like every day I'm going, all right, I need rescuing. And it's not the problems outside of me, it's the problem in me. I'm I'm the problem. I look at the problem in the mirror every day. I need rescue. But he says, he says this: the law was given and it's it's a good thing. The law is good because it came from a hear me, came from a good king. Do you believe that? That God is a good king, that Jesus ruling over all, that he is good. From royalty, it's from the king, the boss. And what is he saying? here's the main thing. Love. Love is it. Love is the main thing. Love's the thing that that we can start well, that we can get back to, and then immediately when we get there, then we're we're off to something else that doesn't matter quite as as much. And for many of us, our story is, uh, I know Jesus, and I'm following Jesus, and And really, I'm just trying to change in this particular area, and and God's really convicting me and growing me in this area, and I'm really studying the Word on this topic. And and for some of us, we can go years and years and decades and decades, and we get slightly off track, a little distracted. For those of us that are ADHD, it's like, I'm trying to focus on the main thing, and all of a sudden, like, I, I don't know where I go, I end up like... In the end times, I end up Armageddon and uh, in the maps, right? I don't know where you end up, but flipping through the Bible, all of a sudden, I I was on the right track. And for some of us, we started with a heart of love. God, I love you. I can't believe you would love someone like me, that you would forgive me, that you would rescue me. And I want so badly to submit to you to come under your lordship. I want to follow you because you're the king. And then we get distracted then we start making lesser things the main thing. I, you, some of us have had the pleasure of being in ministry to some degree where you have people come to you and make suggestions about what we should do in church. Hey, how come, how come we don't have uh, more Bible studies about uh, the cryptic messages in Revelation? I mean, we should be like majoring on that thing or man, I've been reading through Genesis and like we should probably spend a whole year just studying all the different uh, methods and ways that we can interpret Genesis 1 through 3. And was it really six literal days? I think we should spend all of our time just in in creation. No, we should start with the end in mind. No, the beginning. And then everybody else is like, well, I got my my pet little verse somewhere in the middle and I love the Gospels and and just that one chapter and I haven't left it. For some of us, we get off, right? We get off course. Turn your neighbor and say, don't get off course. Don't do it because because your thing as important as it is you got to ask is it the is it the main thing did the king say this is the main thing stay here stay focused on this well it's love it's love is the main thing that the king says uh, jot these down we just got three three different aspects of of love we would say god's love it's not within me it's outside of me it's it's a sovereign love sovereign love uh, if you don't know how to spell sovereign uh, you can can look up on the screen or you can cheat off your neighbor okay let it let them know it's like is it i before e e before i what sovereign sovereign meaning what uh ruling reigning right oversight that god's love is not a pampering love it's not a a love just for a little bit of comfort a little bit of relief but do you know that do you know that god's love is a love that is in absolute control over every detail of Your life. I don't know if you walked in this morning, and you might have been going through a week, a month, right, where you're tempted to think, "Well, I know God loved me in this area of my life. I know God loved me in the past, but like this, this thing that I'm going through, where's God's love in that? Would would a God of love really allow this? Why does it have to be so hard? If God really loved me, He would lighten the weight." He would take this hardship away. He would make it better. Why is He making it better for them and not for me? Do we believe this? That God's love is a sovereign love. Yeah, He hits the bullseye with His love every time. And do you know that His sovereign love is more of a perfecting love than a pampering love often? Have you experienced that? The refining love of God? God loves so much that He's willing to like take us to the mat. He's willing to to push us beyond our comfort. He's willing to allow us to linger in trials as James kicked off. How can we rejoice in trials? Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. That's where we started. It's because of this love. It's a sovereign love. Every trial, every tribulation, a good God brought at just the right time, even this, even this. What is it for you? That this thing that won't go away, this junk in my life that just stays and it's heavy and it's crushing, that God's sovereignty is your hope. God, you're the boss. You're the boss of even this. Of even this. Write this down. Selfless love, if you don't have that already. Who should you love? You should love God, but he says it's expressed. The love for God is expressed. It's made to complete the love when you love your Neighbor, we think of love, we say, Yeah, I want to be loved, I deserve to be loved. Right? I'm a unique creation in Christ, I'm made in the image of God. People should respect me, they should love me, they should treat me a certain way. And what is God calling his people to? Not to be so concerned about, well, my rights and I'm entitled to, and people should have loved me better. I don't know what your upbringing was, but for me to have my mom. Years after I came to Christ in my 30s to say, I'm so sorry. Like, we did not love you. We didn't know how. And for some of us, we're never going to have that conversation with loved ones that our whole upbringing was marked by selfishness. Those that are supposed to be over us and care for us and protect us, use us and neglect us. Has anybody experienced that? Those that we're supposed to look up to as role models, as examples, are living a self-centered, self-consumed life. They don't know the love of God. All they know is the love of looking out for number one. And that's not. That's not love. For many of us, we need to learn the love of God for the first time, maybe, to say, I don't know what it looks like for my mom. I don't know what it looks like for my dad. I don't have loved ones that exemplify that. God, you are Father. God, you are my Father. Everybody say that. God, you are my Father. You're you're my Father. Would you show me what love is like? Would you show me, Jesus, I want to see on the pages of the Gospels, I want to see what selfless love looks like. Because I ain't getting a lot of that, and I don't know how to show it, but maybe, just maybe, the amount of time that you spend in the Word and you get glimpses of Jesus, right, on the pages of the Gospels, and you say, "I, I, I didn't receive that but I can give it because that's what he's giving me. That's what he's showing me. He laid down his life for me. I can do that for others. I can learn that step-by-step. Selfless love. We're talking about a God that rules and he's sovereign. A God that is selfless. What does he do with his forgiveness? He gives it away. What does he do with his power? He lends it to us, his people. Everybody say that's awesome. Selfless. And here, lastly, let's just ramp it up and do sacrificial, lay down your life for others. He fulfilled it all. How do we know he fulfilled the whole law? Because he went all the way, not just towards the cross, but on the cross. Not just on the cross, but he stayed there until he cried out, "What? It is finished." To tell us, "Thy, it's done. It's complete. I I met the law face to face. I fulfilled it perfectly. I did it for the world that couldn't do it. I went all the way to sacrificing, giving up my life." And I wonder if you walked in this morning, you're just thinking, I am so grateful that Jesus would do that for me, but he's asking me to do that for others. Homie, don't play that. Like, I, I ain't down with that. I, that. That's not my resume. That's not my job description. That's not for me. That's just for some special type of Christian, right? The crazy ones that are willing to be like doormats for people and just get used and abused and stepped on. If you know anything about the Scriptures, if you know anything about Isaiah 53 prophesying that the Messiah, the one that's supposed to be the king, the sovereign one, that's where we started, right? He was so selfless that he was willing to be the perfect spotless lamb. And everybody was waiting for a king to rule. I want to be with with the guy that kicks butt and takes names. And the shock and horror when the one that says he's the king is also the lamb that lays down His life. He's the sacrifice. The sacrifice. Why did He do that? To fulfill the law, but also to free every single one of us as followers of Jesus to free us from ourselves, to free us from our past, to free us from all of our anxiety and our fear, all of uh, the, the shame and the guilt of the past. All of the freedom should lead to what? The call is follow in the footsteps of the sacrificial, perfect, spotless lamb. I see how Jesus lived. That's the way. That's the way. The way forward is not to protect me. It's to know that I'm being protected. Now I can be the protector for others. It's not to hoard. It's actually to identify that I have a generous Papa in heaven and he is pouring out everything that I need. What does that do to me? It frees me liberates me to sacrifice like this. Sacrificial love. How about this? Number two, write this down. Embrace love as mercy. This love is so vast, it's so full. He keeps on going, talking about if you got the real thing, if you are going to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of it, this is what it looks like. It looks like love in action. Less talk, more being and doing God's will. Here it is. Embrace love as mercy. Mercy, in addition to this love being so full and so biblical, so sacrificial, it's also merciful, merciful. Everybody say merciful. Here it is. He says, here's a problem. We, we have partiality, that we, we're not merciful. We are judgy, we're judgy. Turn your neighbor and say, judgy, judgy. Churchy judginess. It's just the worst. It's the worst, it's the worst. He says, love displayed does not show partiality how many were here last week should up should up your hand a few of us know we walk through slowly this idea of show no partiality the rich the poor the attitudes the, the prejudice that we have just by outward visuals right snap judgments that we that we make he says this but every say but but if you show partiality you're committing sin you're disobeying the the royal Law. You're breaking the king's law. And you're convicted by the law as a transgressor, right? By tra- as transgressors, each one of us, God is saying, guilty, guilty. And James is turning up the thermostat, right? He's, he's cranking it up, and he's saying, law, sin, transgressors, guilt. And we're like, I thought we were supposed to have good news. I thought that was supposed to be like, happy pep talk, Sunday morning, right? Sunday, fun day. Come on. Where, where, where's the grace? Where's the love? He's like, if you want to experience... Powerful breakthrough. If you want to actually have the real thing and live it, you got to embrace the bad news that, man, our hearts go to some dark places and it gets worse. It gets worse. Turn to your ear and say, uh oh. Let them know, uh oh, brace yourself. Here's what he says For whoever keeps the whole law, I kept the whole law, the whole thing. Perfect. Perfect. But, 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 but fails in one point, has become accountable for it all. How many, how many of us, as we think about graduates, how many, how many want to take the ACT or the SAT based on God's economy of testing? Nailed it, perfect. And they say, Ooh, actually, there was, there was one question you got wrong. You failed the whole thing, zero. You, you think there would be some revolting? Yeah, you think there would be some riot in the street? What's, what's different about God's law, about the way God sees things, is a perfect God says no flaw, none. Either you pass the test or you fail it. Either you perfectly obey or you're guilty of the whole thing because the law is not just 613 rules and regulations and guidelines. It's not even just the big 10. He says it's a unit. It's one. You break any aspect of it, you fail the test, the whole thing. Do you know anybody that's failed the test? That is it's broken even in one small way, any of God's rules, his laws? Can you believe that we're sitting in a room that every single person, we're all guilty, right? We've all failed. We're all equally guilty. And for some of us, we're like, that's really bad news. I knew I, was, I wasn't supposed to come to church because then I just get judged, right? Unless we embrace the bad news, there is no good news. If we think we're fine, that, that God graves on a, grades on a curve, that, he, that on that day, he's going to go, eh, I guess. Like, you, you, <sighs> fine. He's going to say, what did you do with the king? What did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus? The one that fulfilled the law perfectly for you. Did you embrace him? Did you reject him? Because there's no there's no in between. Do you think we need mercy? James is saying, if we understood the weight of sin, if we understood how bad things really were, we would all cry out for mercy. Be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. Help, help me, help me. Verse nine, if you show partiality and you're committing committing sin, convicted by the law, whoever keeps the whole law, fails in one point, accountable for all, do not commit adultery. Remember, remember God said that? Don't commit adultery. Well, what else did he say? He also said don't murder. If you do not commit adultery, but murder, you'll become a transgressor of the law. You do one thing wrong, you sin just once, he's saying, in any way, even if you're doing okay in another area, even if you didn't even know it was sin, even if you did it ignorantly, he said, you're going to show up in court. And even if you say, well, I didn't know, I didn't know. Here's what's powerful about being the church, because this is pretty awesome to be the church, to actually be the church, not play church, not show up to church once in a while, but like to live as the church, is that we get to walk together with an open Bible in areas that we didn't know. I didn't even know it said that. I didn't know it said that. Do you, do you know that I, I was 22 years old before I even knew like the first three books of the Bible. I had no idea what even one of the Ten Commandments was, and I was already starting my my 20s. I had no clue. I had no idea what what was up with Peter and Paul and Mary, I thought it was like a hippie band, you know, that my parents listened to. Like I had no idea. And here's the reality. There are many things that we don't, we just don't know. I didn't know the word said that. That sounds kind of critical and judgmental. Oh yeah, actually that is what God said. That sounds kinda harsh. I don't I don't know if that's in the Bible. I think that's legalism. Oh yeah. Open up two page. Here's the chapter and verse. I didn't know it said that. For some of us, we just don't know. And therefore we can't live out what we don't know but as a church as a church we get to be the church we get to be the church we get to help each other not to point the finger but come alongside partner together and just say hey did you know mackenzie did you know did you know this did you know like right here like can we read this together have we done that before we have haven't we haven't we haven't we like did you know that have you read that no i I didn't know that how powerful how powerful that's so powerful when we can help each other not feel more guilty because now we're more aware of how bad we really are but instead we cry out for mercy because we're recognizing i didn't even know that i was so off course god mercy give me mercy i want i want to be on your page i want to walk your way grace is receiving i want clarity here grace is receiving what you don't deserve and mercy is not receiving what you do deserve have you heard that before so God is both gracious and merciful, and he is calling us today to not just be a little more aware of what the word says, but the full weight of his love for us, that it would change the way that we think about knowing the God of this love, the God that is so wanting to speak and be heard, that we would know his word. Check this out. Romans 5, 8. I love this. I love this. God shows his love. Everybody say how. Ask how. How? How did He show His love? How did He do it? How did He do it? He shows His love for us and that while we're still sinners, while we're rebels, why we ignore Him, run away from Him, we check out dusty Bible on the shelf, don't care, that's when He showed His love for us. What does it say? That Christ died for us. So what does love look like? What does love look like? What, is, what does it look like? It looks like receiving mercy every single day. God, I don't deserve this. You're so patient with me. Do you feel the weight of that? How patient God is. He's like, I'm not giving up on you. I'm for you. I know that you blew it again. Come back. Come back to me. Let's start fresh. And then he's going to put his arm around us, right? Right, Steve? He's going to put his arm around us and he's going to say, with all the mercy that you have received, I have people that need to receive mercy. They're going to experience my love and my mercy through your words through your phone call, through that small group where you're around the table or in the living room and you're able to speak hope and encouragement. Mercy's not for us just to receive, it's for us to what? I just want want to give it away. I want to give it away. It's not to hoard, it's to be so incredibly generous because how did the mercy get received? (laughs) Uh, Not just bucket loads, right? Tsunami mercy always drenched with mercy and he's saying go show love like this while while you hated me i loved you and i was merciful go be like that to your church family go be like that to your nasty neighbors go be like that even to your in-laws everybody say "Ooh, i know i know i know so full are you of mercy that you have so much mercy to offer but are you receiving it are you receiving it Day in and day out, are we aware of our need? First John 4, 9, if you want to jot this down, in this, the love of God was made manifest. It was made evident. It was set before us. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us first. Do you believe that? Like, I didn't love him first. I wasn't pursuing him. I wasn't going after him. He was after me. He says, that's what it looks like for you to live your everyday life. Pursuing and going after and even when people give you the stiff arm and even when they're nasty and it's like what about the really difficult people what about the people that i gotta put up with every single day that like they just want to fight and they just want to accuse and they want to blame me for things that aren't even my fault and i'm walking around with weight not just of my own sin but things that were put on me i got people in my life that want to see me crash and burn i got people around me that just want to gossip and slander about me what do i do with those people Mercy received, mercy given. Easier said than done, yes. But it's the call nonetheless. That's the call. Well, even, yes, even them. And I wonder, even if you're in your heart right now, that you would just pause and you would ask, who's that one person that I'm like, I got a long list of things that they've done to me, against me. I have a long, long list of reasons why they don't deserve a single thing for me. Common phrases that we have of that person is dead to me. I want nothing to do with them. When they start cleaning up their side, when they come to me and apologize, when they take the first step, could we just pause and ask the question? Did, did you do that with Jesus? Did, did you take the first step? Did you initiate? Did you clean yourself up and go to him? Did you make sure that you were presentable? He found us in our mess. He found us in our rebellion. He found us hard-hearted He's the one that initiated. So do you believe that to be a Christian really means to be a little Christ? Christian, little Jesus. We do what He does. We love what He loves. We hate what He hates. We speak the way that He spoke. We know His words, and we use them to minister and to care, not to attack and revolt. Has that been your life this year? Looking back? Patterns of more forgiveness, more mercy shown, less mercy demanded and expected, less entitlement and more sacrificial selflessness. Assess your relationships. Assess your family dynamics. He says you show partiality and it's evil. You select who you're going to show mercy to. You select who you're going to be kind to. I associate with them, but never them. I'll associate with them because they haven't hurt me yet. But the people that already have, goodbye. So hear Jesus say, that's not how I treated you. That's not what I did with you. Do what I did. Love what I love. Pour out the mercy that I'm filling your cup up with. You you can't fill up somebody else's cup, but you can empty yours. You can pour yours out. And every day, the job description is mercy in, mercy out. Love in, love out. I'm a very visual person, so going through a season where I was challenged about unforgiveness. I was challenged about hoarding and holding back mercy and forgiveness that I received. And I was just challenged with have a cup and every morning, whether that's by your sink or whatever it is, that grab that cup and lift it up and remind yourself today's another day that God has an endless supply of mercy for me again. He's pouring out grace and love again and again. And I blew it last night and I freaked out then and I I deceived and I lied and and I I went five steps backwards. And in this past week, well, really this whole past month, actually it's been the whole year messing up, messing up, messing up and to lift up that cup and say, fill it up again, God. Because you delight to, you love to fill me up again. And don't stop there in order to fulfill the law, the royal law, that full cup now hits the street. That overflowing cup now bumps into those that you work with and your neighbors and fellow students and family members. And everywhere you go, as you are bumping into people, your full cup is just like spilling over into their life, right? Everywhere you go, you're just like, I'm so full of mercy. It's like every conversation, I can't help it, but just dump love and mercy. It's not something to muster up inside that I have to work really hard. Behave. Be nice. Be nice. It's so good to see you. I hate you. I hate you. You're a lying, deceiving, backstabbing. Not that. Everybody say not that. It's. I am so grateful and in awe that God would be so patient with me, so gracious. I'm such a failure. I Make a mess again and again. I'm obsessed with the ways other people are not loving me the way that they should. They're not patient with me the way that. And every morning I can lift the cup and say, God, you're enough. Fill me up. Fill me up with all the goodness that is coming my way so that I'm not going out on E. I'm not on empty entering into my relationships. I don't know who is on your mind, but what if this week, what if this week was a faith week? As the worship team comes, I want us to land the plane here. Everybody say land the plane. Let's do it. Let's do it. As we, as we wrap up, all right, I want all of us to stay focused. I want us to stay focused, all right? As, as, we, as we land the plane today, that we, we consider this. That faith does not grow by merely hearing the word, but we have to do what? We have to do it, do it, do it. And as James reminds us, don't be a forgetful hearer, but be an active doer. Obey the word, not just consider the word. Don't ponder it. I mean, here's what's awesome. I, I just love this. We can walk into church every week, and if we see it, if we see it in the word, I don't, I don't even have to say, preacher man, let me pray about that. Guess what? You don't even have to pray about it. If God said it, I'm going to do it. There doesn't even have to be a buffer of, man, I just really, really got to question whether I should live this out, if I should obey him. He's speaking. He's doing something in my heart. i got to move. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to live it. And here are some hard, hard areas for us as we consider faith work this week. Faith isn't just a concept. It's an activity of life. Our faith grows as we work out our salvation. Not work for it. It's done. It's finished. But as we pursue Jesus, as we receive, as He fills us, what's the one thing? God's calling me this week. Who's the person that I need to get with? And I don't need to say, you did this and this and this and this. That you can, because you're so filled with mercy, You can go to somebody and say, I've been holding on to so much, and it's wicked. God told me it's evil. It's wrong. And I've held back myself from you. I've held back love from you. I have harbored hurt. I've become bitter and angry. And I expect no apology from you, but i got to get right with God. Will you forgive me for being angry and bitter? Will you forgive me for keeping record of wrongs? Because love keeps no record. It's not just for marriage. It's not just 1 Corinthians 13 for weddings. We're talking about everyday life. And as we read this faith work, faith work this week, we're going to do this. So let's read this together. Just two, all right? What's our faith work this week? Let's read it together. Since Jesus is love, I will be filled up to overflow. What else? Since Jesus is merciful, I will be quick to forgive. Father, we... We need this perspective every single day. We need help. We need help, God, we need help to, to not just think about it, not just hear these words, but God, would you work in such a way that we would have a heart of obedience, a heart to surrender, a heart to get right. If we're not right with others, we can't be right with you. You tell us if, if we hold on to anger and, and hatred in our heart towards a brother that we can see That we we can't love them even though we can see them. How how is it even possible to love you, God, who we cannot see? We want to be free. Make us a church that lives in freedom. Bitterness is not freedom. Holding back and keeping score, that's not freedom. Recalling past hurts in our minds, that's not freedom. Justifying our current behavior because of what's been done to us in the past. It's not freedom. God, we, we want to experience the fullness of the gospel, living it out, walking it out. God, find us obedient. And even right now, that person that you're putting in our hearts, that we would go this week, that we would have a conversation this week, that we wouldn't just talk about loving our neighbor. We wouldn't just talk about loving you more, God, that we would take those steps to know your word, to dive deeper in, to be so filled, and to go do the work of reconciliation, peacemaking, God, send us on your mission today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.